0: Earlier, actually I was going to say earlier this week, last week, one of the gentlemen that attends here asked me to stop by his operation uh, to take a look at his business and to see what was going on and it got me thinking about all of the process improvement projects I had been part of over the years and I think this is a path that we're all on. How do we improve ourselves to be the most effective at what we do? and as I was looking back at uh, the times that I, uh, especially at the boiler factory and all the projects I was part of, uh, at one point we had decided to install a training center on the front of our building. Now we made uh, residential heaters and we created this training center so technicians could learn our equipment so when your heater goes out, they could repair it pretty quickly. So imagine a technician coming to your house in the middle of January, you're huddled up under a blanket and he doesn't know how to fix your heater. Right, so no, no, So we really wanted to, be, to train people to be the most effective at what they do. The same is true for us. Right? We always need to be improving, and Scripture is full of examples of individuals that have grown from infancy to spiritual adulthood. So today we're going to look at the Apostle John as an example of someone who improved his walk with the Lord, and I want us to see if there's something in our walk that needs to improve. You know, as we preach, this may seem like a common theme, But really, isn't that the purpose of us gathering together in church to hear the word of God? I mean, worship music is inspiring, Um, prayer is connecting, hymns are uplifting, and sermons should reveal something about God's word that we can apply to our lives to improve ourselves and in our walk with the Lord. And if we come to this house just to feel good and have our own personal beliefs validated, we really need to take an internal look at how God can work on us and how his word speaks from us. So we're going to look at John's life, not from his calling as a fisherman, but rather from the middle of his ministry, and we're going to see him growing into the most loved disciple who Jesus uh, shared, who who he became one of the greatest witnesses of humankind for Christ. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for gathering us together. Father, we pray that your word uh, reveals something to us in some way that we can improve our walk with you. Father, that's why we gather together. We gather together to be uplifted, we gather together uh, for fellowship, for prayer, but Father, we gather together to be inspired by your word. So Father, we pray that your word work on us today, and we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen. So if we remember, uh, of of the 12 disciples Jesus had, three were his closest, Peter, James, and John, and John was the disciple whom Jesus loved. I'm sure he loved all of his disciples, but there was something very special about John. And being the loved disciple, being part of the inner circle, um, uh, some traditions hold that he was possibly loved because he was Jesus' cousin. Uh, There's some talk about maybe he was related uh, through Mary, but that can't be validated in scripture. But it's clear that John, along with Peter and James, were very, very special, because they were part of the transfiguration there towards the end uh, of Jesus' ministry. But even though he was close to Jesus, they didn't stop him from speaking foolishly at times. So I have a question, is anyone's mouth shaped like a foot? You know, you, you've spoken the wrong thing so many times that you put your foot in your mouth that it started taking that shape. I've heard the expression, do you have athlete's chin? You know, um, I know I was one, when I was younger, I put my foot in my mouth a lot. I was one of those guys, those, those teens that tried to be funny To try to make a joke about something that wasn't really funny and more often than not you end up looking foolish i remember this one time i told this joke i'll I'll share it later i'm just not going to take up this morning to share it but john john did that more than once not about the joke but rather putting his foot in his mouth so we are going to look at an account in mark in mark chapter nine so here we have john uh, sharing with jesus that he had done something and he says teacher We saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterwards to speak evil of me, for the one who is not against us is for us. See what John does here, John boasts about what they did. He says, hey Jesus, we saw these people over there, they were doing this, and they were doing those things, and we told them to cut it out. John spoke up saying not so much for, I think, not so much for the work that he thought he was accomplishing, but I think he was boasting about he was the one that stood up to do it. He said, look at me, but he did this without thinking about uh, what was being accomplished. I think none of the twelve understood the scope of Jesus' ministry. They had no idea that maybe Jesus empowered others to do his work, or maybe these individuals were some of John the Baptist's disciples. For just a discussion it doesn't really matter but the issue here we're talking about are John's actions and I think at times we are quick to judge rather than think rather than think about the totality of what's going on I'm not talking about the judging like let him without sin let let him without sin cast the first stone I'm talking about that judging I'm talking about making a decision without having all of the information I remember one time when I was working at Channel Home Center, and for you people that are young, that's like a Home Depot, but much smaller. When I was working at Channel Home Center, someone had taken it upon themselves to paper all of the foreign, the foreign cars in the parking lot. So, you know, chastising them for buying foreign. But I'm sure the person didn't realize that the Toyota that he papered was made in Missouri, but his own Chevy was made in Mexico. So he didn't really know what was going on. So I think for us, We need to reflect on our lives and see where we speak speak and act first and think second. And I'm sure that happens quite often. There's many times I think we all sort of maybe fly off the handle, but the goal should be to always improve, to think first and then respond. And you see John was so focused on the who was doing what, he was missing the why it was being done. And we see in verse 39 here in this passage here, Jesus corrected John, but this didn't stop John from putting his foot in his mouth a second time. So if we look here in in Mark's account, here, we're going to look at Mark, I went back one, two slides, we're going to look at Mark chapter 10, verse 35 to 41. And it says here, And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him, saying to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, he, Jesus, said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us all, grant us to sit, one at your right hand, and one at your left in your glory. And Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized in the baptism with which I am baptized? And he said to them, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they became indignant. At James and John. See, John, along with his brother James, asked Jesus to put them at his side in heaven, basically to elevate themselves above everyone else. But John really didn't know what he was asking, and what he had asked had really upset the other disciples. I think not only at times do our words reflect our ignorance, they really can have an impact on those around us. Have any of us ever said anything that has embarrassed a friend or a coworker? And if we really cared about them, we really felt bad afterwards? I think sometimes when we speak out of turn, it isn't because we intend to harm, it's because we don't fully understand the balance within the relationships that we have. You know, like what do we say and not say? When do we say it? How do we say it? Why are we saying it? Why are we asking? And I think it takes spiritual maturity to really understand and see the impact that we have on others. That is why I think it's more than just saying the right thing at the right time. It's really about understanding the relationships that we have with individuals. We see here with John's lack of maturity and lack of understanding what he was asking, it really upset the disciples. They became indignant at James and John. What a way to fracture a relationship. In this passage, again, we see Jesus correcting John. And I think we need that sometimes, don't we? We need that tap on the nose that says, hey, you're saying the wrong thing. And sometimes it's embarrassing for us, but the, the thing is that those mistakes shouldn't define us. They should be transforming us to be better and to better serve the Lord. See, so John wanted a place of prominence with Jesus, but Jesus really had something much greater planned on this earth for John. And like many of us, John wasn't there yet. What is the greatest trust that anyone has ever placed in you? I know some of us that work here are police officers, federal agents, government contractors, where they have to go through a security clearance. And I always thought having a security clearance would be a really cool thing to have. Like I would be in the know of all the conspiracy theories. I would know what was going on, and I think sometimes it comes a badge of honor. It's like, well, what type of clearance do you have? Well, mine is secret. Well, how about yours? Well, mine is top secret. Well, how about yours? Mine is super top secret. I mean, you could just go on and on with it, right? But if earning trust has a huge impact on those in our circle, and the greater the trust, the greater the impact. And as we continue our look at John's life, we're going to see how Jesus trusted John. So we're going to go much further here. We're going to go into Luke chapter 22. Here we have, uh, probably about the day before the Last Supper, we have Jesus sending out John and Peter. He says, Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. And they said to him, Where will you have us prepare it? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you, follow him into the house that he enters, and tell the master of the house, the teacher says to you, "Where is the guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples?" And will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there, and they went and found it just as He had told them, and they prepared the Passover. Just look at the trust that Jesus has placed in John here. Our passage begins with then, so that gets us to ask, okay, what's happening before this? Right before this interaction with Peter, James, and John, Judas had just conspired with the Pharisees to betray Jesus. We don't know exactly why Peter sent James and John, maybe because they were two of his trusted disciples and they were part of his inner circle we notice caution is taken for them not to disclose where it is so there's no like address that says here go to this house all these things have been set up ahead of time for Peter and John to recognize but I think it's a a tremendous amount of trust that Jesus had placed in these two men particularly John to set up this this uh, this location where he was going to have his most important meal with his disciples so it gets me back to our earlier question what is the Lord trusting us to do for him As individuals here as the church, are you moving from attending to membership to serving in a ministry to maybe being a deacon and an elder? Are you moving along with greater levels of trust and responsibility where you can impact the body here? See, but Jesus' trust of John doesn't stop there. Not only does Jesus trust John with with this very crucial part in God's plan. Jesus trusts John with his, probably, his most treasured relationship on earth, and that is his mother. So if we move to the crucifixion, it's near the end of Jesus' life, really, because he's been been hanging on the cross, it's near the end of his life, he looks down and sees his mother crying. So when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved, that's John, standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. Here we have Jesus ensuring that his mother was taken care of. First, this tells me a couple of things. One, with uh, something, this is something that Jesus had been doing all along. As the oldest son of a widow, he had been caring for his mother. And two, he had been caring her for her to the very end. And he wanted to ensure, and he had the responsibility to ensure that she was cared for after he died. Now, Mary had other children, but Jesus doesn't pass the responsibility on to his half-brother or maybe any of the other siblings or any of the other disciples, but enlists John with this one simple statement, Behold your mother. In researching the sermon, I came across this quote from Charles Spurgeon on this passage. He says, There was no specific direction given to John to entertain Mary. It was quite enough for the Lord to call attention to her by saying, Behold thy mother. How I wish we were always in such a state of heart that we did not need specific precepts, just a hint would suffice. John was so in tune with the Lord, Jesus didn't need to give him the details. John knew, I'm sorry, uh, Jesus knew that he could trust John, and John knew exactly what it is that Jesus needed him to do. But I I think it gets us to ask an important question, why John? Was it because he was the apostle that Jesus loved? Was it because he was the only apostle that we know of that was at the crucifixion? Or was it because he was a believer and his siblings weren't believers yet? That didn't come till, till later on. Or was it because Jesus knew that John would be able to care for the mother, his mother in a physically and spiritual way? Now, we won't ever know. But it's important to see that as we grow in our relationship with the Lord the Lord places more trust in us to be able to carry on his ministry. See, our relationship with the Lord isn't meant to be static. It's meant to be always moving and growing. It's meant to move beyond just good enough. See, there are going to be times that we're going to see ourselves growing in our relationship with the Lord, just as John did, and Jesus is going to lay things at our feet to accomplish for him, just like he did for John. And we don't need to be afraid of it. We don't need to be afraid of what Jesus is asking us to do because Jesus, will be going to, Jesus is going to give us what he knows that we will be able to accomplish for him. But it's going to take work. Even John's care of Mary took work. I think Mary, as she aged, that couldn't have been easy for John. Right? There's no physical therapists. There's no home health aides. There's none of that. John had taken this on himself with the simple request of, behold, and John's simple response, of yes. So for us, we need to be ready when the Lord says to us, behold. Right? We don't need to ask why, we just need to say yes. But you know, that still won't be the end. Whatever the Lord lays before us to work on, that's not the end, that's only a season of growth. See, our lives are always a progression. Even those that have an empty life, have an empty who have an empty view of life, see it as a progress. Have you ever heard anybody say, well, you're born, you live, you die? That's their view of life. But between living and dying, there's an entire orchestra in there that the, that the Lord is putting together for us. It seems these individuals have forgotten the richness of life that is in front of them. See, the piece of our Christian outlook leads The piece of our christian outlook provides us the realization that in this moment whatever you're going through your book isn't written yet so whether it's the bad day the relationship struggles the difficulty getting pregnant the issues dealing with chronic pain loved ones that are suffering it's only a chapter in the book that jesus has opened for us the apostle john loved by jesus had the same difficulties that each one of us have and even then he was committed to taking care of mary But ultimately, that didn't stop him from being a witness for Christ. Normally, when I introduce a book or introduce a new individual, I like to give some background. Typically, I will share that in the beginning, but I really just wanted to dig into John's life and get a little bit of the the character study, the, 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 the technical stuff, sort of at the end. Um, John shared. John had writ, John has written five letters attributed to him. One is his gospel, which we'll start studying next week uh, with Pastor Scott. John also wrote three letters: First, Second, and Third John, and the Book of Revelation. So, as we look at John's life, sort of post Christ, as he began his ministry in these areas, that be- it began with the descending of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles, where they all began to speak. So they speak in foreign language so they could evangelize. In the book of Acts, John is listed along with Peter. The two, along with James, are described by Paul in Galatians as pillars of the church, as individuals that that can be turned to when there are challenges. Peter and John together authored seven books in the New Testament, John being five. And I think James, part of this trio, would have authored books as well, uh, but he was murdered by Herod. So as we look just briefly at how the Lord used John to minister throughout history, there are five, so there are five books attributed to John. Um, but I want to talk briefly about the Gospel of John because that's where our study is going to be. This is one of the two Gospels that are written by an apostle, the other being Matthew. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke's Gospel are very similar. They're similar in style. Uh, but they have a bit of a different focus one focuses on jesus as king one as servant as one a savior these are all sort of worldly roles john's gospel is unique in that it emphasizes jesus deity and just by its opening where it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god and then further along it says and the word became flesh and dealt among us john reveals to us that jesus was god Jesus is God, and Jesus became man to live with John and the disciples. What a wonderful, incredible witness to write about! I think I think John has this view of Christ, has this knowledge. Obviously, he has the knowledge because God revealed it to him. But I think because of his relationship with God, um, because of his relationship with Christ, how he was loved, I think God gave John such a unique revelation. John wrote three. in John's three letters. The first one is rich with teaching for us and our relationship between us and Christ. But it's actually John's final letter, the revelation, that I think culturally gains more attention than the gospel. I think it's because it reveals something. I mean, who likes to be in the know? You know the know something we all sort of like to be in the know i'm not talking about being in the know just to be gossipy can you hear what that person said about that person i know what she did i'm not talking about that i'm talking about personal matters things that affect us doesn't it make us a bit more comfortable when we kind of know what's going on some people think that i'm in the know on certain things one question that i get asked is like the world is so horrible around us do you think jesus is coming soon and really i, I don't know any more than you know All I know is that we are one day closer than we were yesterday, and I know Jesus promised that he is returning at any moment. So when you come to ask me, that's the answer I'm going to give, because that's all that I know. But John knows more. See, John was so loved by Jesus that Jesus provided the final and second greatest prophecy humankind has ever known. Do you know what the first one was? It's The prophecy of his coming. Right? Its prophecy was, it was coming in Isaiah. So now we're talking about the second greatest prophecy the world has ever known. So let's look at the text near the very end. This is about five verses from the end. It says, "I, Jesus have sent my angel to testify to you, John, about these things from the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, David, the bright and morning star." As we consider this final book. What makes this account so special is not the revelation that John receives. I mean, he gets insight into the end of the world, the final judgment, the glories of the new heaven and the new earth. But it's that Jesus chose John, a disciple that he loved, to reveal the kingdom of heaven. Don't you want to be loved that much? That much that Jesus reveals something special to you? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, he loves you that much. He has prepared a place for you when you depart this earth to be in eternity with him in heaven. And he's there waiting for you. Whether in your infancy as a believer or you have achieved maturity or you're on your walk, he has prepared that special place for you. And he's waiting for you. But right now, at this moment, wherever we are, Christ is moving us one step closer to his glory. Sean, if you're back there, can you come out and join me here on stage? So, as we look at this, if you're not a believer, I want you to really consider what, we, what we've been sharing here. I want you to consider um, the praise and the worship. I want you to consider the, um, the hymns. I want you to consider the music and how this love for Christ we have manifests in us as a way we just want to glorify the risen Lord. If you want to be loved so much by Christ that he can do something special in your life. He can set aside all the heartache. He can set aside all the pain. He can set aside all the suffering. He can do that for you. He can do that for you just by you saying, "Yes, Lord. I am here." You know, Jesus can't eliminate the pain. He can help you carry the pain. Besides the physical pain, Jesus came besides helping us to carry the physical pain. Jesus came to heal our spiritual pain. You see, before we're believers, we are permanently separated from God because of our sin. And Jesus Christ came to carry that sin for you. As we shared about Jesus was hanging on the cross in his crucifixion, he did that for you, for me, for the person sitting in front of you, the person sitting next to you, your people at home, your friends, everyone in the world, history over, he has done that. If you haven't accepted christ as your savior i want to give you the opportunity to accept christ as your savior right now today so if you could if you could bow your heads with me close your eyes and if you want to accept christ as your savior and this is the first time you're hearing this i want you to repeat these words in your heart with me dear jesus i know that i'm a sinner i know that i can't get to heaven on my own i know that you came here to walk on this earth, to experience everything, to be the sacrifice, and to take the punishment that I deserved for my sin. And Lord Jesus, I commit my life to you. I ask you to forgive every sin that I've ever committed. And I ask you to be my Lord and Savior, to guide me, to strengthen me, to help carry the burdens that I carry in my life. Now with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you've prayed that prayer for the first time, can you raise your hand please? I would love to pray with you. I would love to talk with you. Okay. Maybe you raised your hand in your heart. Maybe you weren't comfortable raising your hand physically. That's fine. This is something between you and Christ. All right, so as we kind of bring ourselves back to our message here, as we look at how Jesus will continue to work in us, I want to think back to the question that I first asked. How are we becoming the best disciples for Christ? How are we improving our walk? We need to be aware and open to the Lord's leading. In today's study in John, I've touched on several topics. This is more than a scripture study where we focus on one or two things. The intent here was for us to look at John's life in these areas where he intersected with Jesus to look at them and to say, where can I be better? And I think we all need to be asking ourselves the question, where am I growing in Christ? How is Christ continuing to trust me? And am I working to achieving the maturity that Christ desires for me? So we don't need to be looking at the left and the right, to seeing what others are doing and what others are accomplishing. But we need to be looking at what God is doing in us at this moment to achieve the maturity that Christ desires that we can serve him best. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your Son, Jesus Christ, for coming coming to earth to live amongst us, to suffer for us, and to die for us, Father. Father, I pray that he just continue to do an incredible work on in our lives to grow us into the disciples that he desires for us. And we ask this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for sharing in this message. We pray it will make a difference in your life. Please consider joining us for our Sunday morning and evening worship services. For location and more information, visit our website, www.gracewaybc.org and listen next time to learn more. May the God of peace richly bless you through His Son, Jesus Christ.